testimony, you may pick up an accent. Yes, it is Canadian. I was born in Toronto uh, many years ago, uh, but I have been living in the United States since 1999, and I'm an American citizen, so I am bilingual. I speak both languages. <laughs> I was saved in 1968. I was filled with the Spirit in 1970. I was ordained an elder in our church at the age of 30 in 1978, and I was living full-time for the Lord even though I was in business. I, was in, I had a sales and marketing background, but I never did differentiate uh, between a pastoral ministry where the income comes from the local church and living in business and my income still provided by the Lord but coming from my secular employment. So I have a sales and marketing background. I've never been to Bible school. I've never been to seminary. Uh, unfortunately, but that's just the way it was with me. And I was the sales and marketing manager for a company called Echo Housewares for many years. And in 1981, the Lord called me out of full-time business into pastoral ministry. And so I went into the president of our company and I said to him, Bruce, uh, I'm going to be leaving the company. And we talked about that. So he called his boss in my presence in Chicago. And he said, Art, Sandy's leaving. And he said, why is he leaving? Is he not happy? No, he, he's happy. He said, offer him more money. He said, no, it's not a money issue. And then he said, well, what is it then? And Bruce said, Art, we've lost out to a higher authority. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We lost out to a higher authority. So why am I saying all of this? I'm saying this because... We are together, and I personally, we're all in this marathon race. It's not a, a sprint, it's a, it's a marathon. And I'm still trying to stay on course following the Lord Jesus. And these are uncertain, unprecedented days. So the message I want to bring to you this morning really helps me. I hope it'll help you to, to stay focused and to finish our race well. I'd like you to stand with me. And let's honor the Lord by reading the scripture together. Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30 is my text this morning. It's very well known to us all, I'm sure. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Amen. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You may be seated. This is a treasured text for many of us. It's one that is frequently quoted and memorized. And why is that? First of all, because of the one who spoke these words. This is red-letter stuff. It was Jesus who spoke these things. And the second reason we love these words is that we've all been there. Perhaps you're there this morning. You have felt you are feeling the weight of life, the burden of just living life. And we want to 
look at the Lord Jesus and look at these words together and see how he modeled this so that we might finish our race well. Amen. We, want, we long, don't we? We long to experience this relief uh, that Jesus is speaking of. So first of all, to give you a bit of context or background, before he said this, in verses 20 through 27, first of all, we notice that he rebukes three cities in verses 20 to 24. Three unrepentant cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, a place where his words and his works were powerful, but they knew better than Jesus. They were wiser than Jesus, and they didn't respond to his teaching. Then we have in verses 25 to 27, this is a, uh, I'd like to read this. It's actually a prayer where the Lord says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and to the one, and, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Right. And then he goes on, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. So what Jesus is saying in that prayer of thanksgiving, he's thanking God that the revelation of God and the relationship with which we can have with God comes through the Son, and that is given to babes, to children, those who are not wise in their own uh, understanding. And that's an important uh, truth. Another very important truth, this is coming from Jesus. All restlessness is the result of godlessness. Let me say that again. All restlessness is the result of godly, godlessness. Now, I realize that I'm speaking to many Christians who have a relationship with God, but when we move into uh, carrying burdens of worry and fear and anxiety and doubt, it's not that we don't have a relationship with God or a revelation of God, but it's shallow. It's shallow. Or, or the Lord, we are related to him, but we're out of touch with him. He's distant from us. So Jesus is saying, all godlessness, all restlessness rather, is the result of godlessness. So what do we have here? We have the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to this mass of people, this sea of humanity, and he's speaking to the, these words, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You've got two humanities here. You've got Jesus, and you've got all of his listeners. You've got the one who's at rest, and the rest, restless. People that are burdened, greatly burdened with anxiety, burdened with fear, burdened by doubt, despair, dissatisfaction, sorrow. Perhaps some in this room this morning, some watching live stream. People burdened by mistakes, by shame, by guilt, 
haunted by past sins. People burdened by pretense, just putting on a good face, a people, uh, being a people pleaser. That's a heavy burden. Putting on a pretense of trying to cover your spiritual poverty, knowing all the right language, having all the right words, but inside you're poor in spirit. Are you burdened this morning with the weight of uncertainty, with the weight of the unexplained, with the unknown, perhaps the unwanted? It's a burden to you. And this is a huge burden many people try to bear, trying to earn God's favor, which we cannot do. It's impossible. In the New Testament, we have two words for burden. The first word is for teon. And that simply means it's a burden that's light. It's easy to bear. It's a burden that was created to carry weight. I'm looking right now at a pillar, a couple of pillars. They were designed to bear weight. That's what they were built for. Ships are built to carry cargo. We speak of uh, an, ox, an ox as a beast of burden, a beast of burden. And that's why Jesus, in verses 29 and 30, references the yoke. He's got the picture of two oxen being yoked together. So this word, burden, this first word I'm speaking of, is a legitimate burden. You need to hear that. You need to understand that. It's a burden that's born without notice of its weight. It's not a taxing burden. It's a burden of responsibility, if you like. If we're married, we have a burden of responsibility for our wife and for our family. That's natural. That's normal. It's not a taxing burden. It's born in love. It reminds me of the, the little Scottish boy. I've got a Scottish background. My name is Sandy, but my full name is Alexander Murray Robertson. Scottish heritage. Sandy's a Scottish nickname for Alexander. But back in Scotland, there was this 10-year-old boy, and he's carrying on his back his five-year-old crippled brother. And this man comes up to him and says, oh, that's a heavy burden you're carrying, boy. He said, it's no a burden. It's me wee brother. It's no a burden. It's me wee brother born in love. Amen. Amen. The second word, baros, is a heavy, crushing burden, one that weighs you down, one that's hard to bear. And when Jesus spoke of a light burden in verse 30, he was speaking of the first. The burden of Jesus is like feathers to a bird, it's not meant to weigh down, but rather lift up. So, I simply want to ask two questions this morning. I'm really struck by chapter 11, verse 30, where Jesus says, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
The question I want to ask, perhaps you do too, is what was the light burden of Jesus that he's asking us to take on? You're sitting there, you're watching perhaps, you think, listen, I can't take any more burdens. What is he talking about? Taking on another burden? Taking on your burden, Jesus? What was and is the light light burden of Jesus? Remember, this word burden means uh, that which you were created for, that which you were designed for, that which you were made for. What was the governing principle of Jesus' life? What was he living for? That's the question we want to ask. What was his driving passion, his driving purpose in life? What was his goal? What was his aim? Why am I here on the earth? Well, Scripture tells us what his burden was. And it's repeated throughout his entire life on four different occasions. Question I have for you, I'll give it to your pastors first and see if they know the answer. You answer it in your head. Are you ready? What are the first words recorded in the Bible that Jesus spoke? First words recorded in the Bible that Jesus spoke. Now you're thinking it's got to be in the Gospels. Well, you're wrong there. Turn to Hebrews chapter uh, 10, please. And we're going to read the first words, according to the Bible, that Jesus spoke. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. When he came into the world, or when Christ came into the world, he said, you got it? When he came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. I want you to picture this 20-inch, 7.5-pound baby boy that's just born And the Bible tells us this is what he spoke. Obviously not literal words, but there was a spirit that was speaking out of that pure, holy, sinless uh, babe, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he was saying. This is the spirit that was in him right from birth that I've come to do your will, O God. That's what he was saying. That's what his spirit was saying. And he continued to say that through his entire life. That was his birth. Look at his youth in in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. What is he saying here? You recall that he's gone up to the temple with his family. He remains behind, and he's debating with the teachers of the day. And in chapter 2, verse 49... Mary and Joseph find him in the temple, and he says to them, why were you looking for me? Did you know, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? 
He's stating it again at 12 years of age. This is my burden. This is my goal. This is my purpose. This is what makes me tick. This is what drives me. I'm about my father's business. Then, in his prime, in ministry, we read in John chapter 4, verses 31 to 34. He's just ministered to a woman there. She's wonderfully saved. And the disciples approach him. John 4, verse 31. The disciples ask him a question about food. They're concerned about whether or not he's eaten. They were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, Here it is. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He's stating his burden once again. He's stating what he was created for, why he was on the earth, what his aim and purpose was, what his goal was, is to do the will of his father. Life is not a sprint. It wasn't a sprint for the Lord Jesus. And times are difficult for you and for me. But we see him right at the very end of his life. He's not deviated from this one governing principle. And he says it once again in Matthew 26, verse 39. And we'll turn there now. Of course, you know he's in Gethsemane. He's about to face the great crises of his life. And in verse 39, we read this. My father, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In verse 41, sorry, 42, verse 42. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, let your will be done. That was his burden from beginning to end. Good times, painful times, difficult times. I live, Father, to please you and to do your will. That's my burden. I trust you. You know best. He said back in our text this morning, learn from me. You who are burdened, you who are weighed down, you who are crushed, living your life, learn from me. Every year, I ask the Lord for a word for that particular year. It's usually a short word, a few words that the Lord gives me, and I stay focused on that. In 2018, the words the Lord gave me were simply, His joy, my joy. Sandy, I want you to pray this. I want you to think about this. I want you to live this. His joy, whatever His joy was, 
That's to be your joy. That's what we're talking about this morning. What was his joy? My second question this morning, what is your burden? What are you carrying? What are you living for? What occupies your thoughts? I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest before God this morning. What are you really living for? If everything is stripped away, some of you might say, okay, I want peace. I just want to have some peace in my life. Others might say, I want pleasure. I want popularity, if I'm really being honest. I want comfort. Someone single for much of their life might say, I want companionship. If I'm really honest, what am I living for? I'm living for my children. I'm living for my grandchildren. I want success. I want security. I just want to be satisfied. Sandy, that's my burden, if I'm being really honest. Is that your burden? Is that really your burden? Because I'd ask you another question. Who do you want peace for? Uh, for? Who do you want comfort for? Who do you want pleasure for? Who do you want companionship for? Who do you want success for? The answer is myself. I suggest to you that's your burden. That's what you're really living for. That's who you're really living for. And that's a heavy burden. If you're still living for self, that's a heavy burden to carry. And this is something that we deal with daily as Christians. And that's why we're instructed to die daily, to take up your cross and die daily and deny self because we all still battle with what I call these self-hyphenated sins in life. Self-love, self-esteem, self-consciousness, self-centeredness, self-promotion, self-depreciation, self-sufficiency, on and on and on it goes. It's self. That's the burden. It's self. Proverbs 21, 17 says this. If you're living for pleasure, listen. Being addicted to, to thrills leads you to an empty life. Pursue pleasure and you will never be satisfied. It's self. You know the problem with a self-made man? He has a tendency to worship his creator. Many years ago, when we lived up in Canada, we get these winter storms, we had to buy a storm door. I'll never forget this. Our first house, we bought a storm door, and the salesman's name was Less Self. <laughs> Isn't that a great name? I almost had my name changed. What a great name to bear, Less Self. <laughs> Wow. Pastor Paul Tripp says, what many people want from Jesus is a prosaic Jesus. Prosaic Jesus. What's he saying? Someone who'll make us feel good. Someone who'll make me feel happy. Someone who'll give us a little comfort and a bit of pleasure. That someone is not the God of the Bible. 
Many years ago, I had the pleasure and privilege of meeting Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of and widow of Jim Elliot, who was martyred in Ecuador. And she, she told a story uh, that day, and she was referencing the end of John's gospel where it says that if all the things that Jesus had done and said, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. She said, this story comes, fits into that category, okay? Jesus was with his disciples one day, and it was around lunchtime, and he asked them this question, would you carry a stone for me? The disciples said, sure. And so they each picked up a stone. He said, now, throw your stones down. So they threw their stones down, and they turned into bread and fish, and that became their lunch. Three days later, he's walking along by the river with his disciples. He asked the same question. Would you carry a stone for me? They, said, they all said yes, and they picked up a stone. Peter picked up a really big one. He said, now, throw your stones into the river. They all threw their stones into the river, and they're standing there. They're watching. They're waiting, and nothing happened. And Jesus turned back to them and said, for whom are you carrying the stone? For whom are you carrying the stone? We had those words plastered on our fridge for five years. For whom really are you carrying the stone? So in closing, let me leave you with four words from our text. Four welcome words to the weary, to the worried, and to the worn out. The first word is come. That's an invitation. The second word is me. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Forgive me, but not even to a book. Certainly not to a building, and not even to a body of believers. As good as those things are, he says, come to me. All. All. With that word all, any exclusions, any exceptions, any exemptions, I did an extensive study in the Greek of that word all. And you know what it means? It means all. And the last word is rest. Promise rest for your soul. I'll give you rest. We pass through times that are difficult, that are unwanted, unwelcomed, uninvited, but they're a part of life. My counsel to you is, if you can lose it, hold on to it very, very lightly. Even the gifts that God gives you, spouse, children, grandchildren, health, security, possessions, you're thankful for those things. But you must always be asking the question, if you can lose it, hold on to it lightly and hold on tightly to that which you can never lose, Amen. relationship with him. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
I lost a daughter at 32. She died at 32 years of age. We went through a two-year period of her battling breast cancer. Of course, we were praying for her healing. But I'll never forget one night, through tears, it was settled in my heart when the Lord asked me two questions. The first question was, when you dedicated her to me, did you mean it? The second question was, who does she belong to? Painful, but Lord, I delight to do your will. Your ways are perfect. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. You are good. You keep your promises. You do care. And I'm going to be governed by the revelation that I have of God and the relationship that I have with him. So this morning, we close. I think of the words of King Asa in 2 Chronicles 14, 11. He says, we rest in you and in your name go against this great multitude. And that's what you and I need to do every day as we face all these temptations to worry, to fear, to be attracted to the world and the things of the world. No, I'm going to rest in you and go against all these things and trust you, Lord, and your character. Jesus is teaching that living for God is a light burden. That's the message from this passage. Living for God is a light burden. It's what you were designed for, beloved. Living for self is a heavy burden. It's an unbearable load that you were never meant to carry. And it's easier. Have you discovered this? It's easier to live full out, all out for God than to live for self. So this morning... There are only two burdens. One is self, and one is God and his will. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for the clarity, and I would even say the severity of your word to our hearts this morning. But we come to you in childlike faith and receive the word of God. I do myself with my brothers and sisters and those, Lord, who are watching. I respond to your word. Here I am. I present myself to you, Lord, a living sacrifice to do with as you please and to live with your, for your glory. Help me, Lord, empower me by your Holy Spirit to remember these things that I may finish my race well and without any regrets. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.